What community sounds like? Stay open. Hey guys, this is Chris from Tap the Craft. I want to tell you about a new partner that we have for the show, B Cups. B Cups is the world's first line of style-specific beer cups for people on the go. Whether by the beach, pool, hiking, or on the boat, B Cups are great for any place you can't use glassware. They're dishwasher safe, lightweight, BPA-free, recyclable, and so clear that they often get mistaken for glass. They come as four packs on Amazon.com, but two packs and variety packs are available on their website at bcups.net. That's B-C-U-P-S dot net. Go check it out. craft beer friends and welcome to season six episode eight of tap the craft podcast i am denny lewis coming to you from boise idaho and my partner in craft this week is not the whales bro from tampa mr chris mckenzie it is my buddy from the 40 cast and now the bad fodder figures podcast mr matt helmer how are you doing tonight matt long time no talk holy cow yeah yeah so so i'm sure people will recognize this voice because i've been putting old clips from the 40 cast in between uh, bi-weekly shows. So this is Matt Helmer, Mr. Devious, Mr. Matt. Uh, and, uh, and we were friends before we, you know, we were friends before we got on the 40 cast, but we really became friends when we were podcasting together way back when. And, and uh, I have to say that we just got together, what about a year and year and a half ago or so when I came to oh, Ohio yeah. and we met up at Trek Bruin. Yep. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, we had a, a little mini reunion of some of the 40 cast there. I had a great time. That was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know what's what's so great is that we got together, and it was like we hadn't like we hadn't been away from each other uh, since the last time we saw each other, which was several years prior, right? And yeah, uh, it's amazing that after talking together for so long as we did and, and being friends, that you could just come right back together and – it's like nothing ever happened. Like we were neighbors and we were just seeing each other for another, uh, you know, another get together, another barbecue. And, and, and you know, what was it also amazing? I think even more so than, uh, you myself and Vic getting together and talking, but our wives mm-hmm. were all together and talking and, you know, just having a good time also. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. And, and they didn't know each other as much as we knew each other. <laughs> so, you know, the three of them getting together and talking and carrying on, that was, I mean, it was just a lot of fun. Lots of laughs that whole weekend. Oh, yeah. Good, some excellent oh, yeah. times. Yeah, I, I was just so grateful that you and Vic and your lovely wives came uh, and, and spent that weekend with us down there in, near Columbus. We, you know, we had the hotel room. Uh, we had to get together down in the in the lobby drinking beers and dinner and and uh, yeah, just a great great time. Yeah, I, we, with the wife and I, we need to get back up to uh, Trek Brewing for sure. We talk about it all the time. It's like, man, we we got to take a Saturday and leave in the morning and go up there and spend the day. Yeah. And- you know, come back and that. It's not that, I mean, you know, it's probably about two and a half hours to get yeah. there. It's not that bad. No. Go out and see John, his wife, and that. And it's like, and get some good beers and see how the place has grown since we've been there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're doing, they're doing great for sure. Oh, I, yeah. I, I keep up on all their social media and things are looking good. I, I'm, I can't wait for, you know, everything to, to fall into place where they're just, everything's kind of like, you know, 
they're, they're getting everything worked out where they can just brew the beer, uh, you know, get, get everything going so they can just kind of settle down a little bit. I mean, I know they're hiring more people. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, John and Kristen, uh, he messaged me last night that they were, they were in Pittsburgh last night, and I think they were going to some kind of a shindig today because he, he had a photo of, uh, you know, of them dressed up, and he's in a nice uh, three-piece suit looking all yeah. dapper. Looking real yeah, good. Yeah, they were all dressed up. Yeah, beer business must be doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's. I'm, I'm glad that that things are doing well. And, and you know what you could do too, Matt, is you could take Barb and uh, you could drive up for for a, an overnighter, right? You could drive up Sea Truck Brewing. You can stay at that that uh, Brew Dog Hotel, oh. where where they have taps in the room. You can yeah. you can tell what beer you want. You can have a, a shower beer. You can go tour the brewery. You can do all that stuff. Uh, that would be a nice uh, little you know little weekend trip to stay one night, and then come back on Sunday. D- did you just say Barbara I can take a shower and beer? Yes, shower and beer. Maybe a beer bath too. Oh, man. That I mean sounds pretty. I, I'm gonna go there. One, one of my I'm trips. I'm liking that idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. Hey, are you drinking a craft beer tonight? I I am, especially uh, just for tonight, Denny. I am drinking from Nashville, Tennessee, from Yazoo Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. They're a sly rye porter. Oh, it's, nice. Oh, it's a it's a nice smooth uh, beer with a hint of chocolate in it. It's like six percent ABV. Uh, it, it's a it's a great beer. It's a great brewery. Whenever we go down to Nashville, we definitely hit up this uh, Yazoo mm-hmm. Brewery. Uh, we haven't had a bad beer from them yet. It's a nice little place. Uh, lots of fun to go to. Yeah. yeah, I've heard you talk about it a few times uh, on the Bad Fodder Figures or Forty Cast or whatever. I know you've yeah. gone down there a few times and talked about the beers you had. Yeah, I wish I could get the beers here locally. Um, our big uh, beer seller over in Kentucky, the Party Source, does not sell this beer yet. Mm. Um, I wish they did, but because I would love to buy it. But every time we go down there, we definitely bring back um, a couple six packs of uh, oh, the yeah. different beers and stuff. Oh, nice. So uh, you know, you got my heart when you said rye and porter. I mean, adding those two together just is like like a wet dream for me. You know, I love oh. rye and I love porters. <laughs> It's a great, it's a great beer. I think you would really like this beer. It's, it's a good, smooth, uh, chocolatey, malty taste to it, and uh, yeah, a little, it's, rye, it's little rye spice in there too. To, to there, just a hint of it there at the end. Yeah. Just a little bit of hint at the end, kind of warms you up a little bit. Perfect for a nice cool day. Yeah, sweet. Is it cool in in Cincinnati right now, or is it? it, it well, yeah. I mean, today wasn't too bad. I got up to sixty degrees, but oh, this yeah. past weekend was uh, kind of cool. And this upcoming week has you know highs in the forties, low fifties, and stuff like that. So winter is definitely coming upon us here. Yeah, yeah. In, in our area, last week it went to uh, we had ten degree days, like you know, mm. like low low weather. I mean, like it just like dropped when we had some. Basically, we we hit some records. Uh, and it's, which is crazy. So I, I mentioned that, uh, in one of the shows that sometimes you can get snow in October in Boise. Well, we guess what? We got snow before the end of October, uh, just for one day, just for a little bit in the morning, it, it snowed and actually stuck to the road where I was working. Uh, but it, it melted off before the end of the day. But I mean, sometimes it happens. Sometimes we get snow and it, it dropped, the temperature dropped down to, like I said, 10 degrees a couple of days and it's just like bone chilling cold, some of that wet, Kind of that wet moisture uh, cold that just like goes right to your bones. Ooh, uh, really yeah. miserable. And then what happens today? 
it was like 58 degrees. I was out, out, you know, almost took my shirt off walking out to, you know, <laughs> back from work. I'm like, holy smokes, it's like summertime again. I mean, it felt really good, but it just plays havoc on your body when you, you're shifting temperatures, you know, that drastically from one week to the next. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully we, we start to settle into, uh, you know, more fall weather and into, you know, ease in the winter. I agree with you here. Yeah. I, I don't mind it being cold. I don't mind it being warm or hot. But I can't stand where you're at in the morning. It's cold. In the afternoon, you're, you're sweating. Yeah. <laughs> and then sweating again. And you know, in the middle of the night, you're free thinking. Yeah. You know, that, just make it constant. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it constant. One temperature. Don't want to change the thermostat in your car too much back and forth. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Where's that the buttons? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, talking about winter, I am sliding right into winter because I'm drinking my first winter warmer of the season. Can you believe it already, winter warmers? That's amazing. It is. It is. And I'm drinking one of my favorites. I talk about it all the time. It's from Deschutes Brewery. It's their Jubilee 2019. And uh, I bought a six-pack yesterday. Um, That six-pack will be gone uh, before we finish the show. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I love this beer, and it just goes down for me so easily, which is amazing because it's 6.7% alcohol, so it's not a light wow. beer, right? It's got some heft, and I drink a few of them, and I feel nice. I feel nice and, oh, and I can imagine. And, yeah, it feels good. So Now, you said this is uh, Jubilee 2019. Do they change it year to year, or is it the same thing? They just put a different year on it. So they... I believe to me, I don't think they change the recipe year to year. I think it's the same beer. It might mm-hmm. it might change, gr- you know, gradually if they have some different materials they're using. But for the most part, it tastes the same year in year out, you know, as it goes by. Uh, but what does change is the the label on the bottles. They had they um, what do they call it when they hire they contract? I guess contract out a an artist to go mm-hmm. ahead and do the do a painting. Or a, either I guess do a painting, a commission, a commission. Yes, but they do a commission to have an artist do a painting of some scene that represents winter in the the shoots area, and okay. so it's a new artist every year, and they do a painting, and then they auction off the painting for uh, charity, and then they use that artwork on their labels for that year, and the the label artwork this year is is very nice. It's of uh, some some deer. Uh, in a like a, a wooded uh, like a, like a bunch of trees like without leaves and maybe some uh, some spruce trees in there with a with kind of a either a sun or a moon uh, in the background shedding off some light so it's kind of a really n- nice pleasant um, you know painting on there I, I have bottles from the last probably fifteen years I started collecting the bottles and all the artwork is is unique uh, you know and and different artists have different Things they, you know, some are just like random colors they do, and some are scenes of of snow and and houses and you know different different things like that. So I like collecting the bottles, but but yeah, the beer stays pretty much the same. Uh, the one that the one beer that does change year in and year out, uh, they they change up the ingredients they put in it, and it does taste drastically different every year. That's the 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 Black Butte Porter Anniversary Ale. So every year that uh, that the the brewery is is uh has been well to celebrate every birthday of the brewery they release a new black butte porter anniversary which is like a double black butte porter it's an imperial porter 
and it, they throw in a bunch of fruits like figs and dates and chocolate sometimes and you know different different types of dark fruit and and the flavors uh you know take on that f- that fruit character and and it really is nice i it's a beer i never miss a year i love that beer i buy it every year sometimes two or three bottles I'll drink one fresh, and then I'll save the other bottles for you know the year after, or maybe two years later if I have too many bottles. But yeah, that one does change. Okay, well you know what, Matt, we've been chatting away, but let's get this show started. But before we do that, I always like to let our new listeners know what Tap to Craft podcast is all about. We are an educational podcast. We focus around celebrating all things craft beer because we want to help all of our listeners along in their craft beer journey. And you're listening to episode 138. We're recording on Monday, November 4th, 2019. And in this episode, we're going to discuss a little bit about, we're going to find out about Matt's craft beer journey. Uh, I'm, I mean, I think I know some of it, but you know what? Maybe he'll surprise me, but he'll definitely surprise all you guys out there with his craft beer journey, some of his home brewing expertise. Uh, you know, everyone wants to hear about home brewing too, so that's good. And then... Uh, we're going to talk about the history of beer. Now, the history of beer is so vast that I can't just talk about it all in one brew buzz segment. I have to split it up. So we're going to talk about the section from 5000 BC. Yes, beer has been around since 5000 BC up to 1600 AD. That's a pretty pretty wide, you know, 6500 year, uh, you know, segment there. We're going to talk about the beer and how it changed and and grew. Uh, and a little bit of background, some of the, the unique beers, those old antique beers. Uh, and if we have time, then I still have that article that we didn't talk about last time. Uh, this one's about, it's a funny article about different people that you can find on a brewery tour. Now, this is an old article, so it's not relevant, you know, that we have to talk about with a timely manner. So if it passes on to the next episode, so be it. But if we, you know, if we uh, get through all the content and Matt's still alive and not, uh, you know, passed out, uh, then we can talk about it later. As cor- of course, you can have some great conversation with Matt and I along the way because uh, we, you know we already showed you that we can carry on a conversation pretty easily. Now, let's get this conversation started, Matt. Let's talk about your craft beer journey. And when talking about craft beer journeys, I always want to find out how you got started in craft beer. What was that first beer you had, and was it an enjoyable experience? I think that sorry. <laughs> I, th- I think the uh, first beer, if you want to call it a craft beer, back when I turned twenty-one, was uh, Sam Adams, mm-hmm. um, and it was it was good. You know, it was a bit, uh, I guess, extreme for me. At, you know, just turning twenty-one, just started drinking beer, like holy cow, what is this? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> it was good in that. Um, but I think I really got into the whole craft beer thing when you joined the Forty Cast. Ah, okay. Uh, I think that's when things really came together with that, where you educated myself and Vic and Keith on uh, our wrongful ways of drinking beer. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, up until then, it, there was a lot of Bud Lights. Yeah. Um, there was the occasional Yangling, okay, mm-hmm. that was in there, or um, just something kind of odd and then thing that was around and back when you came on the 40 cast that's when you know the craft brewery scene here in cincinnati just kind of started to explode also yeah so uh it went from there and uh just with all the breweries here in cincinnati from back in the day there mad tree 
Ryan Geis, Mount Carmel Brewery, some of the original uh, big ones back at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I just started to go to those and I would visit them. Uh, and all three, well, except for Ryan Geis, uh, Mount Carmel and Mantry at the beginning was small little breweries. Yeah. Nice, small little tap rooms. Fun to go to. Yeah. You go in, you could talk to the brewmasters, you could talk to the bartenders. They they kind of knew who you were. They, they they could sit there and talk to you and stuff like that. Um, unfortunately, I mean, good for them, but unfortunately, both Mantry and uh, Mount Carmel are both really, really big breweries right now. And the, they kind of lost that, that small hometown mm-hmm. feeling, okay, yeah. by doing that. But I'm happy that they're doing well. And I still drink their beer. Yeah. But I just don't have as much fun when I go to the tap rooms. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah. You, you can't sit and have a conversation with the bartender or something like that. Yeah, they're too busy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but that's where my journey came. Just going through the different breweries around here in Cincinnati and stuff like that and buying beers here and there. And then, from again, like from me on the 40 cast, going and talking about the different beer styles and that, and me going to the party stores, the other local stores mm-hmm. around here, and picking up, my, making my own six-pack of different beers, just looking at the labels, Um I think another big moment in my craft beer history is when we all went to DC yeah. to visit Eric. Yeah. And then we went to that one, uh, that one bar that was specialized in craft beers. And I had that, um, that vanilla Porter, that Breckenridge. Oh yeah. Vanilla Porter. And I was like, Holy cow, this is really good. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great beer. I mean, yeah. it was just so smooth, nice and vanilla. Um, and it just kind of grew from there, just going out and trying different things and buying new bottles, uh, whether it be for the label or their style of mm-hmm. beer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned along the way that I'm not a big fan of sour beers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the real hoppy, citrusy beers. I'll, I, I'll drink them, but there's only so much of those I can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think the, the hoppiest beer that I drink is uh, either a Ryan Guy's Truth or a Mantry Psychopathy. Yeah. Uh, Mantry Psychopathy is probably about my favorite IPA mm-hmm. that I've ever had. I really, really like it. It's my go-to IPA. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, just, just kind of things like that that help me grow and listening to Taffa Craft and just experimenting on my own some of these different beers and stuff. I, I, I'm a big fan of the darker beers, mm-hmm. the brown ales, the stouts, the porters, stuff like that. Um, I just like the, the smooth, how they're so smooth and creamy at times. And mm-hmm. for a beer to be like that is just, wow, this is, this is good stuff. Yeah. You, know, you sit there and again, the, the other day you just put out another, uh, uh, brew buzz and I've got my Porter in a tulip glass. <laughs> there you, <know>? you go. <laughs> so there we are. <laughs> I, I trained you well. Yeah, yeah, you know, some of that stuff actually stuck with me, Denny. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's just, it's just nice going to all the different breweries and trying the new beers, getting a flight here, getting a flight there. Um, going like when we go to Nashville, we seek out the local beers there or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just that's what that's how it is. That's that's my journey there. Is just yeah. trying new things, and I'm not ashamed to go up back and buy the stuff that I enjoy. You know, I see something, say, you know what? I really like that. I'm buying that again. Yeah. I, instead of something, because yeah, I'm comfortable with it, I know what it is. I know I'm going to like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So yeah, no, no, that's that's good. I, and I know that uh, that when I first joined onto the Forty Cast, that uh, Vic Vic was just curious about trying the craft beer, but he was always so nervous because he'd always like grab one, not know what it's going to be like, and it would be way too strong for him. And and he was always like hesitant. And then it was. You know, we were able to ease him into some, you know, beers that weren't too in your face. I mean, when he first started drinking them, he hated IPAs, right? Remember how he, yeah. he'd drink that? That's the worst beer ever. And yeah. now you look at him and he is like an IPA, you know, fiend. He loves them, right? He just drink those IPAs all day. And the hoppier the, and the more bitter, the better that he likes them. Uh, so it was nice to see, you know, him grow. And at the same time, you know, originally, uh, you know, you were a little bit hesitant on uh, on going the craft beer because you you know you're pretty happy with your Bud Light, right? You got your your keg of yep. Bud Light. You can just go in, into your kegerator and just you know pop pop open a, a Bud Light and and share it with your neighbors and your friends and and it was easy drinking. You knew what, you knew what to expect and yeah. Uh, and I think you're right. I think I think one of the big uh, I mean, you were trying some beers here and there before we did the DC trip, but we got together and we we met up at Vic's house. And we just all bought a bunch of different beers, different styles, and we tried them all. And I think that opened your eyes too that, wow, beer can have a lot of different flavors and not just like punch me in the face where I just have to, you know, I want to puke because I don't like the flavor. You know, I'll just go with the, the brown ales and, and, uh, and the porters and, and some of those lighter, uh, you know, he, you know, Hefeweizens and stuff, wheat ales and stuff that, that tastes good. And then, I think even after that trip, I think you and or Vic, or maybe even before that trip, I know at one point you and Vic had gotten together and uh, he went down to Cincinnati and yeah. you went to what, Christian Moorline? Was that what? Uh, went to Christian Moorline and we and went to Mount Carmel also. And Mark, yeah. And to yeah. see your guys' uh, response from that, because like you said, it's the experience, right? You go in there and these brewers and these bartenders and, and people are just just eager to share what they're doing with their customers yeah. and that just gets you involved it gets you just wanting to drink their beer and be a supporter yes of them. you're exactly right yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that personal touch that they give you is, is uh something else that you don't get in a lot of places yeah yeah and and it is pretty special that i feel like even though i wasn't in cincinnati i felt like i was part of that that cincinnati craft beer boom that you were experiencing back in 2011 to 2013 timeframe when all these breweries were opening and they were starting off real small and then slowly building up to what we got, you know, what mad tree is today. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, they just got, they're getting big and bigger and bigger. And uh, I feel like I've almost got to participate in, you know, I wasn't drinking the beer. I was living through your experience that when you were to go and have a new, you know, beer that really caught your eye uh, you know, you would just talk about it and I, and, and to hear you so excited about the, the, the new experience you had and going out and trying more beers just, you know, it really made me feel, uh, really good that I was able to help you, you know, go, you know, come out of your shell basically and, yeah. and enjoy some, some good flavored beers. Not, and, and, and you know what? You always kept, you know, a keg of, uh, Bud Light in there to share with your neighbor because that's what he, likes to drink and hey it's okay to go and and uh you know drink some good craft beer but go ahead and have a couple bud lights too when you're in the mood for just you know going out in the on the on the uh, sidewalk and drinking some beers with your neighbors 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this is one of my favorite times of the year coming up here now because you just said it, you know, the winter beers are coming out, yeah. the Christmas beers, all the uh, spice beers and stuff and that. So uh, I, I really like all those type of beers. And I think the winter times are just great for the beer, craft beer uh, industry. Yeah. To get all these out. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's it's my favorite time of year in craft beer. And I mean, I, I, I've been talking about winter warmers all the way from when we were on the 40 cast. I still talk about them every year. Everyone that knows me knows that I just can't get enough winter warmer beer. So it's my, it is my favorite time of the year for sure. Oh yeah. All right. So you mentioned that your gateway craft beer was a Sam Adams Boston lager. Mm-hmm. Is that what you would recommend most people go try if you had a gateway or is there another gateway beer you that you might recommend to people that, that, that since then you've had it, you thought, you know what? I think even people that don't necessarily like beer might like this beer. I, I would say uh, a brown ale, mm-hmm. uh, a nice nut brown ale, probably a good one to get into. Yeah. Uh, a milder IPA, something that's not so um, bitter or mm-hmm. citrusy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a good good start there. Maybe a, a amber ale or a uh, pale ale. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. try some of those. I yeah. think those nice uh gateway drugs i mean (laughs) get into um but i you know and even so even the porters and the stouts just because they're so smooth Mm -hmm. i think that that dark color just kind of scares people think it's going to be a real big beer but a lot of times just how smooth and creamy some of those can be yeah Yeah. Uh, i think a lot of people could be missing out on some of that stuff and and they might even like those more than an ipa or uh something else I think. yeah yeah it, it i i found that when i have introduced people to uh, to beer that it's it every everyone's different on what they you know what will attract them i i go in and i think that okay i'll go with this light beer this will be something that won't be too much flavor form and they're like oh i don't like that and then i'll go into like you said into a darker beer that looks scary but when you start drinking it it's really smooth like you know, maybe a milk stout that's not too mm-hmm. sweet, but it's you know, it's, yeah. but it's not it's not it doesn't have that bitter finish because sometimes stouts can have you know too much bitter finish for people and they drink it and they have that bitterness at the end and they're like oh that's too bitter, uh, but if you have a milk stout, a lot of times they they don't end in the bitter note. They have that little smooth. It's got a more silky mouthfeel and and a lot of times they'll have a little bit of that uh, chocolate character in there and then it will end uh, with a you know, not being bitter, you know, in a little bit of a, a mellow, soft, sweet, sweet note. And, you know, some people really gravitate to that. And then some people, like you said, you know, they'll go and grab a, a lightly flavored uh, IPA that's not too bitter. It doesn't have too many IBUs in there, uh, you know, and, and, and it's not too uh, hazy with that big hot burn. You know, you can get with some of those hazy IPAs. They just have a little bit of, of slight uh, citrus in there, maybe lemon lemon grassy kind of character and uh you know people can gravitate to that too so it, it's it's amazing you know sometimes i'm just blown away by what people like for their first time you know trying beer because uh, it can be what i wouldn't expect for sure yeah it's unfortunate you don't it's it can be a scary thing when you introduce them to one to a craft beer because like okay what if i give them something that i think is really really good mm-hmm 
and they're going to hate it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're <laughs> never going to have craft beer again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's why I'm, I'm a big fan of, of tasters, right? Even when I have people over or if I'm over at someone else's house and I bring some beer and they're like, you know, Hey, what, what, what do you recommend for someone who doesn't really like beer? I, I always break out like a small little glass of here. Have this little taste. And if you don't like it, it, no harm done, right? Just toss it. It's only a little, you know, an ounce or two, you know, but it gives you an idea of what what to expect. And then if they like it, they can have a a full beer. And if not, we try something else, you know. So Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of just just having tasters of things. Uh, it's, It's the best thing. Yeah, I think the best thing, you know, talking about taster, I think the best thing someone can do if they go into a brewery going in blinds is um get a get a flight. Yeah. You know. And a lot of times a lot of these breweries they say, Well what do you want? And say, Well, you know what, what do you recommend? These are the type of beers I'm I'm used to, this is what I like. You know, maybe stick to a couple of those and say, Hey, you know what, give me something that may be a little bit bolder. Yeah. That might that I might uh to try or something like that. So Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get into some home brewing talk. Now, you know, we just talked about you getting started with craft beer, you know, from the 40 cast, from you and I chatting and, and getting excited about the beard. But somehow that led into you actually wanting to do your own home brewing. So how did you get started in home brewing? What, why did you make that leap to go and, and try to brew your own beer? Um, I think one of it was uh, from John. You know, uh, following his antics uh, between his blog and Twitter and everything like that. But then somehow on YouTube, I went down the YouTube rabbit hole and there was uh, getting to watching people brewing beer on YouTube. And I was like, oh. man, this, this looks like this could be fun. You did too. And so one day I went out and I, I bought a, a brewing kit. You know, just started out something simple, something somewhat small, mm-hmm. and kind of grew from there. And I, I, I enjoy it. It, it. It's a lot of fun. I don't do as much anymore. I still, I still do brew beer, not as much as I uh, used to, but I still enjoy it. I think one of the biggest aspects I like of it is the social aspect of it, because. Mm-hmm. I go out in my driveway on a Saturday morning or Sunday morning. I start setting up to brew beer and you can see, you know, the, the, the neighbors sort of the windows like, Ooh, wait, what's Matt doing? <laughs> Matt was going to brew beer. You know, next thing you know, there's three or four people in the driveway with oh, yeah. me. Yeah. They're curious. And just, it, it's a social event yeah. that happens. And, you know, what are you making? Oh, I'm making this this time. or I'm doing this. I'm trying something new. And uh, they all pitch in, they help in that. So it's a lot of fun. It's just, I'm not doing it to make money. I'm not doing mm-hmm. it to um, experiment. I'm doing it because I enjoy it. It's something yeah. to do. I can make my own beer. I get something out of it. Um, I don't need to do it. Okay, it's so much easier just go up, up to the store because you can get craft beer anywhere yeah. now. Oh, yeah. Just go out and buy a six-pack of whatever, <laughs> you know, and then bring it home and drink it. But this, this you get a little pride from doing this, okay? Even though I, I don't do I don't do all grain brewing, I, okay. I do extract, okay? So yeah. I do a mix of extract and uh, grain brewing. Okay. And a lot of people say, well, that's not real, you know, home brewing. So, well, screw you. I, <laughs> this is what I want to do, okay? I still made beer. Yeah. Right? You know, um, so I, I don't know. It's just it's just something to do. It's something yeah. to go out and say, okay, you know, I feel like making making beer this weekend yeah i go i email 
couple of the local places around here and they'll put a kit together for me. Okay. You know, so I say, Hey, I want to make this type of beer. What do you got? And they say, well, we can do this for you. I was like, sweet. I'll do it. Um, <laughs> the only recipe that I have that I keep going over and over with is my Russian Imperial stout, oh. which I just poured a, bo- I just poured a bottle of. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I finished my other one. So I poured a bottle of my Russian Imperial stout cause I got about four or five of those left in the fridge. Um, I don't know what it is about this beer. It's the first beer I brewed for okay. one thing. That's good. That's the question beer. I was going to ask you. So you. You already answered the question. That's good. Yeah. It, this is the first beer, I, and I still stick with this recipe of it. And everyone I give this to, they, they say, wow, it is really, really good. Mm-hmm. It, it's a good beer. And I haven't modified it at all. I still follow the same thing. Um, and it is. It's, I, I, I'm not bragging, but it, it is a good beer. It, it, it's very smooth. It's creamy. It's a, it's what a Russian Imperial Stout is, mm-hmm. if you look it up online. Um, so I like to really – and another reason I like to brew that is because it stores well. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, I, I it, it ages. You can keep it. I can. I don't have to keep it in the fridge. I, I've got uh, – underneath my stairs going down the basement, I've got bottles of it. Okay, mm-hmm. we're just sitting there waiting to put it in the fridge. Um, so it stores well. I don't have to worry about it going bad or anything like that. In fact, I think it, it tastes, it gets better as it goes. Yeah. Uh, it comes out about 7% alcohol by volume. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really good beer. I, I, I did win uh, at work, at our work picnic. I won first place ah. uh, with it. So you, that you, was really good. It's an award-winning beer. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, I only have I only have homebrewers that win awards on the show, because you know, John, yeah, John, uh, Tom just won. You know, he won the best of uh, the state fair. Uh, in, you know, in his beer, and then now you now so mm-hmm. I have winners, homebrew winners. Yeah, <laughs> and it was funny with with the thing at work at uh, Company Penny. All the people that were judging the beer didn't know what a Russian Imperial Stout was. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what what are we actually judging here? So they all Googled it. Uh. <laughs> and they look and I was like, wait a minute. This is that. Yep. This is doing that. This is that. Holy shit. Yeah. This is a Russian Pearl Stout. You <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, all right, cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, it's just, it's, it's, it's a fun, it's, and you know what? It's not that hard. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, the first couple of times I brewed beer, I was like, oh man, I, I got to be real careful about the temperatures and the times, all that stuff. And I realized, okay, well, you know what? I can relax a little bit. I can just <laughs> chill. Okay. <laughs> Pour myself a beer for one thing yeah. before I start making, but just relax, uh, enjoy it. Because if you're not going to enjoy it, you're not going to do it again. It's yeah. just going to become a big hassle, a big yeah. mess, and you're not going to have fun. So I, I relax a little bit. If something doesn't exactly go right, it's like, you know what? I'll see how that plays out at the end. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first, when I did my Russian Imperial Stout, the, I remember the first time I did it, the bucket blew up. Oh, I was oh. Like, oh my God. <laughs> and I remember talking to John uh, on Twitter, I believe, either Twitter or text messages. I was like, oh my God, my, my bucket, the lid blew off. <laughs> I, I, my beer's ruined. He's like, dude, relax. It blew out, not in. Okay. <laughs> Cover it back up. <laughs> Clean it up. You're fine. Don't worry about it. And, and he was right. You know, um, they, they, they say in the homebrew business, you know, they always say, don't worry about it. Go grab yourself a homebrew. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and that's exactly what you're supposed to do. Uh, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's a hobby. Yeah. You know, and there's yeah. something to do. 
Uh, I'm not, like I said, once it becomes hassle, it comes work, I'm not, I'm going to stop doing it. The only thing I did change with my homebrew, the only thing I bottle is my Russian Imperial Stout. Mm-hmm. Anything else that I make, I put in the keg. Yeah. Because bottling is a pain in the yeah, ass. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks, man. It really, really sucks. So I started, after my, my first time bottling beer, I was like, I don't want to do this again. So I started doing a little research on kegging beer. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, kegging beer is easy. <laughs> it's simple. And you get your beer ready to go faster. Yeah. So I bought some uh, corny kegs off of Craigslist and I bought all the other equipment. And I was like, boom. So when I do brew beer now, I, I keg it, mm-hmm. carbonate it myself real quick, you know, overnight. And within three or four days, it's it's drinkable beer. Yeah. It's good stuff. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, that that's I think that's what's keeping me from from starting to homebrew myself is I I already know I don't want to bottle it. I want to go straight to a keg system because I'm lazy, right? I just don't want to yeah. deal with it. But that would mean I have to buy, you know, have to get everything set up for a keg system, uh, which would cost extra money. And so I just kind of been putting it off until I can, you know, I want everything set up just right before I I start it up, and I have to. Make sure I can brew beer that I'm not going to just hate because I don't want to just yeah. throw it away too. I'm, right? I'm, yeah, I'm picky, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm picky beer drinker. Yeah, you're making five gallons of this stuff, so you better watch <laughs> what you're making. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, hey, you did a great job filling us in on your home brewing because you answered all the questions that I was going to throw out to you. So uh, good job, good job on home brewing. And one of these days, I'm going to show up and try some of your home brew. So you know, save me oh, a I'm, bottle. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. You just got to come to Cincinnati anyway. I, I do. So we can go to the breweries and stuff. No, no. Sarah, Sarah's told me that, uh, you know, she, she keeps saying, hey, we need to go back to Ohio. We're going to go visit, you know, Matt and Barb. And and, uh, and, and we got to go to Cincinnati. We've been to Cleveland. We've been to Columbus. We haven't been to Cincinnati yet. So we've got to go to Cincinnati and, and do the whole trip. So don't worry. That is on our list. We're going to be. We're not going to wait as long as we did last time before we see you. We'll go come back soon. <laughs> Great. <laughs> okay, so just a couple more questions. If you were to ever, you know, open your own brewery, I always like to find out if you've thought about what you would name that brewery or if you haven't thought about what you named the brewery, if there's a beer that you would, you know, like a beer style and a name that you would you'd have to have in your brewery. Yeah, so I'm not sure how this is going to go over with you. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how. I, you know, I, I do listen to the show, mm-hmm. um, and feel free to cut this out if you want. But yeah, we've I've talked with this with coworkers at work. If we our brewery name would be called Prison Bitch. <laughs> okay, Prison that's Bitch fine. Beer. Okay, <laughs> and then we came up with all these different names for the beers we have. You know, Bend Over Porter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, drop the soap ale. Oh just, yeah. Different, just different silly stuff like that. I thought, man, you know, that the marketing would be there with the name. <laughs> Definitely. You know, you can just imagine the, the beer label and the names of some of these and that. Yeah. But that, that's, that's what we thought would be okay. a, a good name. Good no. Catch. Hey, you've put some thought into it. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, I like that. Uh, prison bitch. I like that. Uh, okay. Well, good. So now the last question that we ask all of our listeners, because they, everyone likes to give me a bad time on how I rate beer. Do you rate your beers? Like when you were doing, I know you haven't been on untapped for a long time, but when you were doing untapped and you're putting ratings, were you rating your beers based on your overall enjoyment? Is that how you rate 
a beer or were you kind of looking at the style of the beer and saying, you know what, for this style, I really like this one a lot. I'm going to give this one this rating because I like it a lot of this type of style. Um, so you rate by style or by overall enjoyment? Overall enjoyment. Okay. Overall enjoyment. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's, uh, you know what, this beer was refreshing. Mm-hmm. It made me happy. I liked the way it tasted. Okay. Um, it didn't make me pucker up or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's my enjoyment. Okay. Then I'll, I'll accept it. That's uh, one more one more on the mini list of people that do it uh, that way, and I'm the minority. But that, that's okay. <laughs> well, you're, you're an expert, so you got to do my stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for sharing and giving us some insight on your craft beer journey. We're done drilling you for questions, except for the next question. I, we like to talk about our new and noteworthy beers. I know that you're – uh, you've been cutting back a little bit on your beer drinking because of, you know, you're, you're kind of trying to look after your health and stuff. So you don't drink as much of this good craft beer as possible. But is there some new and noteworthy beers you've had that you just want to tell your listener, our listeners to go out and try if they can find them? You know, my mind's drawing a blank here okay. with this one, unfortunately. But, no uh, problem. No problem. Yeah. If, if, you, if, any, you know, if anything, if, if you come to Cincinnati or if you see it around, that may have tree psychopathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's just an outstanding IPA. Okay. I'll take that. And if you do think of something as we are chatting along, just stop me and yell it out. We'll talk about it then. Yeah. So I, I, I thought maybe you wouldn't have some beers. So guess what? I've got like six beers that I'm going to talk oh, about. Nice. So I'll, I'll cover it for you and me. Um, so last episode, we had local listener Tom Byrne join me in my kitchen, dining room, living room area to uh, share some beers and uh, podcast. And it was a fantastic night. We did have a few technical hiccups that got a little bit better as I realized they were happening live. Uh, but there was still some, you know, some mess up on his craft beer journey, which was sad because he had a lot of great uh, stuff to talk about. But don't worry, we will have Tom on again because uh, he's eager to come back and 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 try this again. And and he was he was good. And we, you know, if if he's going to bring beer, I will accept it because uh, <laughs> that's what I'm going to talk about right now. Is that I just have to thank Tom because he literally every beer he brought, he thought about what beers that I, you know, I have on my wish list, things I've talked about on the show that I'd love to have that I haven't tried and styles that, that I am drawn to. And every beer he brought for us to drink was like, uh, like a home run, including his home, home brew. So the first two beers we're going to talk about are his homebrew beers. The first one is the, and again, his brewery, his home brewery name is called me and the boys. And he, of course, brought me a bottle of his award-winning beer, the Saison Cheval Rouge. And uh, this is a fruited beer. It's a fruited Saison farmhouse ale with wild yeast. And, um, you know, after talking with him and, and, and knowing that he won a, a gold, you know, basically a gold medal, first place in the wild ale category and the best of the show for the entire competition – I had a feeling it was going to be a good beer. I was looking forward, you know, I, was, I had my high, my hopes up high on this beer. But you know what? Uh, this beer totally blew my mind of how good it was. I am oh, wow. telling you, I never imagined that this would be as good as it was. This is like, like the perfect wild Saison uh, fruited beer that I've ever had. 
I, I gave it a five cap rating and I'm not giving it a five cap rating because he's a friend and he brought it to me and I just want to make him feel good. I, I, you know, I already mentioned, I don't, I don't just feed people bull. If I truly like something, I'm going to, you know, tell them that I really like it. I'm not going to tell them I like it just because I don't want to hurt their feelings. I'll hurt their feelings, but I'm not hurting anyone's feelings because this beer was so damn good. Uh, and I was so grateful that he shared it with me. And I just want to let everyone know and Tom that, uh, that, that, hey, this is something that is very special. Uh, and, and yeah, it, it blew my mind. So cheers to that. Nice. For sure. Um, the other beer that he brought, uh, was, uh, me and the boys, it was a cake faced peanut butter milk stout. Oh. And I, you know, I've had a number of peanut butter beers, all kinds of varieties of beer. And I, and I've already mentioned that I'm not a huge milk stout fan, but I will say this, that I have really started to warm up on the milk stout. And I don't know if it's because craft brewing has gotten to a point where, you know, people are, are not over sweetening the beer and it's not, you know, becoming a, a big, sweet, you know, chocolate milk type uh, beer uh, with these milk stouts. They're starting to really just put enough lactose sugar in there to cut out that bitter finish, give it a little bit of that body, that smooth body that you expect in a milk stout. And, uh, you know, so I've, I've been drinking a few of them this year and I've really enjoyed them. Uh, so I was looking forward to trying this one. Uh, and I was looking forward to seeing how the peanut butter, uh, you know, was coming out because a lot of times that peanut butter flavor is hard to get it to, to, you know, to actually taste the taste like peanut butter or even peanuts for that case. And uh, you know what? He did a very good job on this beer. Not only was it not too sweet that you actually got some of that chocolate uh, and, and roastiness flavor in it, uh, and the body was fantastic. It had a perfect, a really good body. Uh, but the peanut butter actually came out in the finish where you could actually take a sip, get that chocolate, that little bit of that roast in there, finish off dry. It was a dry beer, not sweet, but not bitter, and have that peanut butter flavor in the back of your throat as you finish it off. Um, really enjoyable. Uh, I gave this beer a four cap rating. See, I told you, I, you know, I'm not going to give uh -huh. everything just a five because he's a friend. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was a worthy beer that I really enjoyed. I don't have anything negative to say. The only thing that was, that, that was, uh, uh, that I didn't notice on this beer was that it didn't have a head. Now, I wasn't surprised that it didn't have much of a head because, uh, he said, even though he used, uh, like a, a special peanut butter um, adjunct that was that's supposed to have all the uh, oils removed from it, so it wouldn't you know oils in, in the peanut butter will will kill a head and and make it uh, you know not have a head. Um, he didn't you know use some special stuff. It still didn't have a head. There was like zero head at all. But it wasn't that it wasn't carbonated. There was plenty of carbonation there that was it was just fine. It's just the head was dead. But you know what? It's okay. So it wasn't pretty to look at. It still tasted good. I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, any questions on that, Matt? I don't want to just. Well, I like the um, peanut butter peanut beers and peanut butter beers I've had. That peanut butter has been up front, real mm -hmm. strong and heavy, mm -hmm. and I and I don't like it. Um, I like what you said, where his kind of hit you at the end, which probably a little bit better than oh, most yeah. of the stuff I've had. Yeah, yeah, I agree. If I if I have peanut butter, I I want it to to just be subtle in the finish because that's. 
Yeah. You know, that's where it's enjoyable. If you don't want to have a peanut butter, you don't want to have a peanut butter soda. You want to have a, mm-hmm. you know, whatever beer with a little bit of peanuts in there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, those are, those are the two home brews from Tom. Uh, very well done. He gave me a third, a third home brew that he just bottled like the week before he came to the show. Um, I had it one week before Sarah, my lovely wife, accidentally knocked it off the shelf. It fell, oh, no. it fell four feet down, hit the ground, didn't break. Thank goodness. But it did pop the seal where, you know, it started to foam out of the, out of the cap. So at that point, I had to go ahead and open it and drink it. Now, uh, keep in mind, uh, this was warm because it, it was still, uh, it, it hadn't finished carbonating and, and doing the stuff in the bottle. Was, it was doing its, uh, its, its uh, conditioning and, and carbonation in there. So it still had another week at least before it was fully ready. So it wasn't cold, wasn't fully carbonated. Um, but uh, I will tell you that it was a good beer. And it was a, uh, a red ale, I believe. Gosh, now I feel, I think it was an Imperial Red Ale or a Red Ale. I can't remember. Sorry, Tom. My memory is going bad, but um, <laughs> I drank it. I, I opened it up and I drank it warm. I didn't even cool it down. I just said, okay, I'm just going to drink this. I'll tell you what, um, knowing that it wasn't finished carbonating, knowing that I drank it warm, I mean, not even lukewarm, like hot, like warm, like room, like room temperature, 72 degree warm, uh, it was actually very flavorful and very good. I think it was a red ale that I I would really enjoy. And Tom, if you have an extra one later on that's laying around, uh, you know, bring it to me so I can try it cold and and uh, and like it should be. But uh, that was another good one. Just wanted to throw that out. I didn't rate it on Untapped or even check it in on Untapped because I didn't want to rate something that was uh, you know that that wasn't fully matured. Okay, then uh, another beer that we didn't drink on the show. We saved. We we he brought, I brought, I had a couple beers that we drank, and then he brought a bunch of beers. So we drank m- most of them on the show. But there was one beer left that uh, that we drank after the show completed. I think I mentioned uh, on the show that we were going to drink one more beer before he left. This was uh, a Bottle Logic beer, a brewery that I've always wanted to try. Never had any of their beer They're out of California. Um, it's called the Red Eye November. It's a coffee stout. And I'll tell you what, this beer was fantastic. Uh, it was had nice, you know, coffee flavor in there, nice body. Uh, you know, I think it even had some rye barrel aging in there too, if I remember correctly. Um, really, really good. I mean, like a superb beer. Uh, in fact, it's a five cap rating beer, another five cap rating. Now, Tom didn't brew this one, but someone else did. But I'll tell you what, it was well worth uh you know holding out on this one and and i really appreciate tom you know bringing up another great beer for me to drink uh, on my wish list um then uh staying coming back into the boise area i mentioned a couple shows ago when we did our great american beer festival uh, winners that one of the beers that won uh a gold medal in the from boise was from sockeye brewing and it was their redfish rock bock beer now this is a smoked beer they won a gold medal in the smoked beer category and you know what i'm not a big smoked beer fan but i'll tell you what this smoked beer going you know it was a combination of the lightly smoked uh flavoring with the bach style lager uh really works really well and i i really enjoyed this beer i gave this one 
a four and a half calf rating. Now that's pretty damn wow. good for a smoke beer. Uh, I, I recommend any of my listeners here in the local Boise area, if you can go out there and still get a pint of this uh, Rockbach, go out there and get it. I think you'll be uh, so, you know, pleasantly surprised at how good this beer is and definitely worth a gold medal, in my opinion. What do you think, Matt? Now, you are a big cigar you know, fan. You love smoking your cigars on Sunday, Sunday cigar days, right? That's your, your cigar yep. days. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? Is, is, is a rock bock or a smoky bock or a smoky beer, is that too much to go along with your, uh, your cigar? Yes, I, I think it would be. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, between the cigar smoke and the smoky flavor in uh, the beer. Cause, now, this beer might be a little bit different because most smoked porters, um, they're real strong smoke mm-hmm. flavor. Yeah. You know, so it's going to interfere with your cigar. Uh, so, yeah, you want a kind of a lighter beer to go along with your um, cigar in that. But the best thing to go with your cigar is an, an ice bourbon or an ice scotch. Okay, yeah. Yeah. That, that's the that's the best thing you're gonna have with that, uh, especially here now. It's getting fall, mm-hmm. the cooler weather. Oh man, see now 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 we're now we're hoping for Sunday to show up real quick here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. cigar. But um, yeah, uh, cigar. They, there's been a whole big thing on cigar and uh, beer uh, pairings, different style. You know, a medium bodied cigar and a light beer, or a heavy beer and a medium to light. Uh, cigar, you know, to go back and forth and just kind of pair with each other and stuff like that. You got, yeah. you don't, you don't, you don't want to have a dark cigar and a dark beer, okay, or vice versa. Okay, just yeah, help yeah. complement each other. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's good to have uh, something that's yeah not the same. You don't want too much of the same. It just becomes too overbearing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. All right. Another beer that uh, Tom brought, but wasn't meant to be drank on the show. He brought this for me to drink uh, on my own. Uh, it was from Old Nation, which is a Michigan brewery, I believe. I might be wrong. Uh, don't don't uh, quote me on it. Uh, again, another brewery that I've heard a lot of good things about. I've I've made comments that I love to have some Old Nation, especially on Untapped. When I see people that uh, that are having Old Nation, I'll go ahead and comment. Oh, that sounds good. And I've commented on this beer. It's the Boss Tweed New England Double IPA. And so a lot of my friends on Untapped have had it, uh, and I now I can say that I've had it. And I did enjoy this beer, but I'll tell you what. Um, I gave it a four-and-a-half cap rating because it's, it's a quality, very good quality beer. The half cap rating removed is because um, it's a little bit it's, – it's got a, a bit of hop burn to it. You know, it's got that burning, that, that really strong burning hop character from, from that haziness. And, uh, and I, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a distractor for me when I have beers like that, because I don't want to have that, that, you know, take a swig and have my throat burn, you know, as I'm drinking this, this hoppy beer. Uh, so I gave it, I knocked it off a half cap, but Hey, still worthy beer, four and a half caps. Definitely is something I, I enjoyed and I really am. And, uh, I really appreciate Tom, uh, you know, providing that beer for me too. And then uh, another dark ale I had. This is one that I picked up at the co-op. Uh, it's from Evil Twin Brewing, and it's their even more Jesus Imperial Stout. And, I love that name. Uh, yeah, yeah. They have a, uh, they have a, they have a, even more. They have a couple of different Jesus Imperial Stouts. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but this one was really good. It had, 
uh, you know, nice, again, nice, big, thick, like thick bodied beer, uh, with some heavy roasted malt character in there, almost coming across coffee like. And, uh, you know, with the, with a little bit of chocolate, dark chocolate character in there too. Man, really love this beer. It was really good. He gave that one, like I said, a four, or maybe I didn't say it. it's a four and a quarter rating. Uh, I, I drink a lot of uh, Imperial Stouts and Russian Imperial Stouts is one of my favorite styles. So I'm a bit more picky when it comes to those styles because I've had so many of them that I've been really superb that, that it has to be something special for me to get up there in the, the higher rating. But four and a quarter is not bad. That's a pretty good good rating. And then the last beer I'll talk about. Man, I told you I had a few beers to talk about. Uh, the last one is a Genesee beer. you get Genesee beers in, in Cincinnati? Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you have you drank very many of them? I have I have not had one. Oh, really? Okay. Well, you know what? That might I might change your mind. Um, so, I had a listener, Mister Matt Knight, out of Rochester, New York. Now I said Rochester. I hope that's correct because he may have moved somewhere in New York. Uh, he sent me a, a care package. Just out of the kindness of his heart, he wanted to share some more New York beers with me. And one of the beers that was in this care package is a Genesee beer. Now, he always throws in Genesee beers as like a joke because he likes them. And he likes them because they're actually decent beers. And you can buy a 12-pack of beer for $9. So why wouldn't you buy a 12-pack of beer? What You know what? I said 12. I'm pretty sure it's 12, but maybe it's a case. It might even be a case for $9. I don't remember. He'll correct me. Because my That's memory is, is not good. But regardless, if it's $9 for 12 or $9 for 24 even better, that's some some cheap beer to be buying. And uh, and if it's good beer, then why not buy the beer? And I have not been disappointed by Genesee beer. Of the, of the different ones I've had, they are very drinkable. This one is like could be my summer drink all year, all, all summer long. It's their Genesee Ruby Red Kolsch. Now, this is a Kolsch-style ale with uh, red ruby, what, what, red ruby red grapefruit. Is that what they're called? Ruby red grapefruits, mm-hmm. I think. That yeah. have that, that's, that unique ruby red, uh, you know, sweet flavor, like uh, grapefruit flavor. Man, this beer was it, just opening it and pouring it. The aroma coming off this from that that ruby red grapefruit is incredible. I just wanted my nose was in heaven. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to drink this. I poured it. I take a sip, and you know what? It tasted fantastic. So refreshing, <laughs> so crisp and clean and delicious that I drank the whole thing, and uh, I just wanted more. So now I'm disappointed I can't get Genesee in my area because I just be drinking this sucker all the time. It's really easy to drink. So. Yeah, it's all over here. I mean, I just look on their website because I know I've seen it, but I just saw on the website. It's like right up the road. Okay. I can go to the gas station. All right, go That's grab a six pack. <laughs> and I, I say that because I know that Barb's not a beer drinker, right? She's not. She's like wine, yeah. but not beer. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Go and grab a six pack. At, but you know what? You don't like you don't like citrusy things, so you might not like this one. But it's not too citrusy. It. It's 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 got more of a sweeter citrus character. Uh, but you'll try it and then let Barb try it. I think she might enjoy this actually because it's not too beery. It's got a little bit of, you know, of that because Kolsch isn't a heavy beer anyway. It's not heavily flavored. It's got, you know, it's a very light, refreshing uh, style that's, that's easy to drink. And add a little bit of this grapefruit, just the sweet ruby red grapefruit to it. Uh, I don't know. It was really good. I really liked it. Sarah was, was 
you know, going crazy from the smell. She just loved the smell of this thing. It was oh, wow. so delicious. So, yeah, I gave that one four and a quarter cap rating. Also, he gave me the Oktoberfest from Genesee. Also, a very good, well done Oktoberfest. Uh, I really enjoyed that beer, too. So, hey, no matter what people say, this Genesee beer is for real, right? These make some, they make some good beer. Don't, don't be downplaying them. You know, they might not be the, the, the wells that everyone wants to be drinking, but they're still good. So now it's time for a little feedback, uh, light on the feedback, but we did get a question. So let's just go right into the listener question. Now, I, I appreciate this question because it, un, unknowing to the person who wrote it, uh, you know, our topic is about talking about some ancient beers or some old style beers and how craft beer, you know, the history of craft or the history of beer itself, you know, where beer, you know, came from and how uh, the styles came about as uh, as it went through time. And uh, Chad Lamasa, he wrote an email to us asking uh, a question. So let's go ahead and I'll read this real quick. It says, hey, Denny, I saw you toasted my check-in from Pools Island yesterday. Do you know anything about the Kavas style? As I said in my check-in, I'd never heard of it, let alone tried one, at least that I'm aware of. If you know anything about it, can you enlighten me and or the audience? I know it's too late for the next episode, which I think you're recording tonight, but maybe for a future one. Can't wait to hear the new episode. Well, guess what, Chad? You got it in just in the nick of time. <laughs> I added it in this morning, so you're not too late. Amazing how this works. It is. It's amazing. Internet, you know, if you would have wrote it into a letter and mailed it to me, it would have been too late. But because electronic mail is so fast, I can answer it on the episode that we're listening to right now. So I have never heard of this style. So you brought up a style that I've never tried and I've never heard of. So I had to do some research on it and I found this information at craftbeer.com, which is the uh, American Craft Brewers Association, <laughs> Craft Brewers <laughs> Association, whatever it is, I, I lose track. But yeah, it's their, it's their blog. They do a lot of articles and stuff on there. So um, the Kvass is an ancient Russian beer. It's one of those styles that can take many forms depending on where and at what time of the year it's brewed. But at its core, it's always low alcohol, which is usually less than 2% ABV. And it's a bready beer with a slight sour tartness. Uh, the Kvass is known as a folk beer style that can have a lot of variation from one brewer to the next. Recipes are dictated by what grows locally and what is in season, making for that beer we're making a beer that reflects the true local flavor. Kvass, like many of the oldest known beer styles, was likely discovered by accident, which I always find that funny, right? A lot of the, a lot, I think a lot of the history in craft in beer is that they didn't realize that what was going on was going to, you know, turn into beer, right? Things yeah. just spoil. They get, they get kind of uh, fermented just by the wild yeast out in the air. So you leave something out, a little bit of those yeasts start eating away. And before you know it, it becomes a little bit sour or a little bit fermented. So I think that's how a lot of these uh, these styles come about. Some lucky person drank the water-bread mixture that had been sitting out for a few days and decided what it had turned into was something worth making again. In its earliest form, loaves of old bread and our flour are simply soaked in hot water. Wild yeast was relied upon to spontaneously ferment the concoction, which gave it a signature reserve tartness. In some instances, some of the small batch breweries would add whatever ingredients were available locally, but it wasn't uncommon to go without. After a few days, the bready 
mixture ferments up to 2% ABV, and the entire content, solids and all, would be consumed. This made for a great source of nutrition, while also turning undrinkable water into something potable. Wow, is I mean... It's, it's I always meal. like how they add in uh, added nutrition. <laughs> yeah, it is though. You're you're eating your bread dough, and you're drinking, uh, you know, water that's now been kind of cleaned up. So, which is amazing. I didn't realize that, uh, you know, that just adding a little bread dough and having some fermentation happen is going to make water drinkable. I mean, that bacteria and stuff has to go somewhere, doesn't it? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Go in your gut now, I guess. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, it is kind of funny how they make it, you know, more nutritious for sure. So it's, uh, uh, as the allure of kvass shifted from a thing of utility to a lively beverage that could be imbibed, the process was refined. Wild fermentation was ditched for something cultured. The commercial kvass breweries would sometimes use brewer's yeast, but the small batch and home breweries would typically use a baker's yeast culture. Then local ingredients were added uh, to add interesting flavors. Fruits like strawberries and dried grapes added more intriguing tartness to the flavor while also balancing some of the lactose bacillus sourness. Lemon is a more recent addition that has become popular to add a citrus complement to the lacto. And even herbs and spices like peppermint have been used. I don't think I want peppermint in my beer. Yeah. That's, that's going a little bit overboard. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think? You, you like a good old candy cane in your beer? You know, the only thing I like a candy cane in is if I'm drinking a white Russian. Ah, a candy, yeah. candy cane in there that helps stir it around. That's some good stuff there, but no, not my beer. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've had some uh, mint chocolate stouts, and it was okay. Yes. But you know what? That It was just a little bit much, right? It just kind of left a weird uh, flavor it, in my mouth. and. Yeah, it's good for a first, you know, you get, yeah, those mint beers are good for a first time, you know, but it's not like you're going to be pounding one right after the other of those. Yeah. They're definitely uh, something different. Uh, you know what? You just reminded me of a mint beer I did like. <laughs> My buddy Alex in Israel, we went to a, to a festival in Beersheba, and uh, one of the beers that they were serving was a, was a mint beer. And uh, it mm -hmm. was actually... Not too bad. I don't think it was a, a kvass. If it was, Alex will tell me. Maybe I already had one, but it it uh, it was a nice. It was like a lager, lager base with a little bit of mint in there, and it was green in color. So it's a perfect like St. Patrick's Day beer. You know, it was already green. But yeah, I did have a mint beer that I didn't mind, but I wouldn't want to drink more than one. That's for sure. <laughs> too much. Okay. Uh, eventually, kvass reached reached a point of popularity in Russia and its neighboring countries that it spanned from a common peasant to royalty. Street vendors pushed carts equipped with large cask-like tanks to peddle kvass to passerbys. Some even say kvass is one of Russia's most treasured culinary traditions, second only to sauerkraut. Now, wow, I never realized sauerkraut was a Russian uh, food. Yeah, uh, I thought it was always German. Yeah, I thought it was German too, but... I guess I was uh, now I've been taught that uh, that uh, sauerkraut's a big Russian. Uh, I mean, it's only second to sauerkraut, so it must be the biggest uh, treasured food in Russia. And so, huh. see, we're learning stuff every day on the show. All right, last little thing here today: commercial breweries continue to brew kvass in Russia, and home brewers carry on with the tradition of putting their own twist on an ancient style by using unusual ingredients and pushing the strength up 
towards 5% ABV. The popularity, yeah, <laughs> the popularity of Kvass even led to a non-alcoholic version that essentially captures some of the flavor qualities in a soda-like beverage. There you go, Chad. That is everything you ever wanted and didn't want to know about Kvass. And and you've got one up on me because I've ne- I don't think I've ever had one. I know I never have. Yeah, but it's not on purpose. Yeah, you think you're going to try to brew one of these? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, okay, no, okay. no. Ask John. Yeah, yeah. See if John <laughs> see if John can brew one. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, thank you, Chad, for sending in that email. It was hey, I love learning about new things, and now you. Matt, myself, and all of our listeners know about this beer style, this ancient beer style from Russia. And if you would like to be like Chad and uh, get your comment or question into the show, you can do that easily through email at tapthecraft.gmail.com or on Twitter. Just follow us at tapthecraft. And Chris would love to interact with you on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash tapthecraft. And don't forget, we do have a voicemail number. Get out there and leave a voicemail. Get your voice heard on the show you can call us at 208-536-3359 or if it's easier for you to remember 208-53-ODDLY leave your feedback questions whatever you want to chat about with us and we'd love to put you on the air and we want to thank open forum radio network for supporting the show they provide the hosting space at openforumradio.com and if you enjoy the content that matt and i are putting out today then you know you'll find some other great content like the following Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny, John, and Chris. Hey, and if you want to check out more great podcasts, check out the Open Form Radio Network over at openformradio.com. We have such podcasts such as Open Form Radio Proper, Facetious, Geeks for the Win, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gaming Vessels, Slash Attainment, and Conspiracy Otter. Hey, thank you so much for checking out Tap the Craft today, and please leave these fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this great show. Hey, thanks again for listening. All right, now it's time for the Brew Buzz, and the Brew Buzz is devoted to discussing various beer-related topics. And this week, as I already mentioned, we are going to go into the history of beer, part one, from 5,000 B.C. to 1600 A.D. Now, Good yeah, 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 that's a, that's a lot. Uh, so um, I I found this information. Now, you can find this information in various places, wikis, and all kinds of different places. But you know what? I found a website that is chock full of information. Uh, And the website is actually called the Knights of the Mashing Fork. And the Knights of the Mashing Fork, uh, also abbreviated K-O-T-M-F, they are a central Connecticut homebrewing club whose members are passionate about making and drinking great beer. Named after the first guild for the brewers, the original Knights of the Mashing Fork was formed in Brabant, Belgium, during the reign of Duke Jean I, or Gambri- Gambrinus, the so-called king of beer and inventor of the toast as a social custom. Well, there you go. Now we know where the toast came from. Uh, I never knew that. So I, I, we learned something new. So the website can be found at, uh, you know, just type in kotmf.com. Uh, a lot of different resources on there. There's recipes, there's uh, brewing guides, there's all, all kinds of information in their library, resource tools. Um, and that's where I found this article. The article is called Three Millennia of Beer Styles in Four Minutes and 32 Seconds. Now, 
I guess that's how long it takes you to, if you just read through all that real quick. But you know what? It's going to take us a little longer than four minutes and 32 seconds because, you know, we'll, we'll stop and talk and, you know, and slur our words a little bit and have to start over a few times. So I'm sure it'll sure. be a little bit longer than that. So, it's going to be a journey for everybody. Yeah, it'll be a good journey. But uh, I will put the link of this article in the show notes if you want to go and, and check them out yourself. Uh, I, I'm going to go back and, and, you know, use this site just to gain more knowledge on homebrewing and, and different tools. I think it's pretty cool. Now, there's probably a ton of these homebrewing sites out there, and you might have your favorite one, but uh, this is one I'm going to give you as a another option for you guys to learn about uh, brewing stuff. Okay, Matt, I've been talking a lot, and I want to share the burden with you. So I, we've agreed that you'll go ahead and start us off and uh, read the first couple uh, history uh, bullets, and then I'll go ahead and, and, and do a couple, and we'll just go back and forth. All right. Okay. So we're going to start with the Sumerian style. Yeah. Way back, way back in 5000 BC, it says here, naturally fermented beer is being brewed in Sumeria. Some 6,987 years later, Dr. Solomon Katz of the U University of Pennsylvania and Fritz Maytag of the washers uh, of <laughs> brewing, using instructions on a 4,000-year-old clay tablet from Sumeria to reproduce an ancient Sumerian brew, which they named Ninkasi after the Sumerian goddess of beer. Mm. A cloudy orange-red drink, it tastes of honey and dates with a dry finish. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I didn't. I don't know if Anchor Brewing is still putting out this Ninkasi beer, but if they are, I think I need to find it because we do get Anchor yeah, here. But I, but I've never I've never seen this beer. Yeah, it's well, yeah, I would love to have something like this again just to try it. Yeah. something that works, you know. Yeah, I I, I appreciate that it's uh, you know it's got some honey and date flavors uh, and it finishes dry, so it's not going to be a a big sweet uh, mess. Mm -hmm. And and that's and that's an old beer that's going. 5,000, oh. well, actually 7,000 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, God, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, the birth of the Lambic. Yeah. In 3000 BC, a Sumerian brewer named Amakarkiskar <laughs> brewed a beer called Sakaru with two-thirds barley malt and one-third raw wheat. The brew fermented spontaneously by local microbo microbial floral of wild yeast uh, in short a beer strikingly similar to modern lambics by the mid 18th century lambic beers became the dominant local style in brussels yeah okay. so, so that's another uh, another wildly fermented you know, like wild spontaneous fermented beer and and this lambic this style has lasted for a long time i mean yeah it, it it's still a strong style right now i mean i drink like for Thanksgiving, uh, it's our, it's one of our our customs that we do that when we on Thanksgiving is we buy a bottle of lambic or two and we drink it for Thanksgiving dinner. Um, yeah, I've had um, the last lambic I had. Crap! It was um, probably a year or so ago. Uh, I want to say Three Floyds made it. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not sure if that's correct, Denny. Okay. Um, but anyways, it took me a while to get used to it. Oh, you know, uh, it was one of them big bottles. Yeah. Okay? So my friend's like, oh, ooh, it was just a little, um, it wasn't bitter, but just kind of, ooh, just kind of yeah, hit me. Not, but after I had a couple of sips and got used to it, yeah, 
it was actually a very very good beer yeah actually, yeah and lambics are very low in alcohol i mean like they're below two percent also right they're very low but they um they do have a big like a strong fruit character to them that that you're right when you first take that sip it might be overwhelming to your taste buds but once you you know you you abuse your taste buds for that second then it's okay right it's already been yeah. the damage is done go ahead and drink it and it tastes great yeah exactly <laughs> exactly all right so so now moving from the lambics to the early german ales all right here's where the germans started getting involved in this whole beer making thing as by 1000 bc germanic tribes are making top fermented ales from the grains that grow wild in forest clearings half-baked loaves of bread are soaked in crocks of water wild honey and herbs are added and fermentation is spontaneous the result is a black murky sour brew with floating husks and crumbs. <laughs> mm. Woo, that sounds nasty. <laughs> so that's how that's how uh, Germans brewed beer before the Rhine Rhine whatever Rhine Heiskeboat. I think I just yeah. said it right. Yeah. Uh, Here, drink this. It looks like crap, but drink it. <laughs> yeah. Black and murky, sour with floating husk and crumb. That's wow. Never mind the floaters. Yeah, You'll be fine. yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine you drink drink a glass of beer and you, you smile and you got these husk and crap stuck in your teeth. It's like you know, <laughs> you know. So wonder why these people didn't actually live longer with the crap that they're <laughs> drinking and eating and stuff. They would you thought it would have made them survive better or something? Yeah, yeah. I just find it funny that. This is another story of of putting bread. You know, this is yeah. this is half baked bread, so it's not raw bread. This is actually half baked, but still, it's a half baked idea. I yeah, think. yeah. Why did did I think what happened is somebody left a loaf of bread out, the rain came down on it, it got it all wet, and they said, you know what, I'm hungry, I'm gonna eat it, and they started eating it and realized, ooh, this is sourdough <laughs> bread now or whatever, and they said, oh, I'm gonna go ahead and put this in a glass, add some more water, and see if it gets even more, you know, funky. I mean I'm guessing it has to do something with the yeast or something in it. Yeah. Probably. You know, I mean, yeast is a major component in homebrew. Yeah. And beer. So, but I think, I think even the low, the bread, right? They weren't putting yeast in it. I think they were just leaving the dough out and letting the wild yeast uh, rise it. I'm, I'm guessing, right? I don't think they were harvesting yeast back in 1000 BC. So there was, I think they're just making bread dough balls and then letting it out. And uh, the wild yeast is just like, causing it to rise maybe that's my guess i'll need a i'll need a culinary history expert to go ahead and chime in that would be chris mckenzie he's a culinary expert yeah <laughs> all right let's move up another thousand almost thousand actually this is more than a thousand years in the future from 1000 bc to 70 a.d uh this is the kermi uh circa 70 a.d pliny observes that the Celts of England brew a beer they called Kermie, which is flavored with plants like bog, myrtle, rosemary, and yarrow. So that's all they say about this. And not, not a lot, not a lot of information. But I went ahead and, and uh, you know, Pliny, they're, they're referring to Pliny the Elder, which was born Gaius Plinius second, Secundus, uh, and he was alive from... 23 to 79 AD, he was a Roman author, 
a naturalist and a natural philosopher, a naval and army commander of the early Roman Empire, a, and a friend of the Emperor Vespasian. Pliny wrote the Encyclopedic, natu Encyclopedic Naturalist Historia, which is the Natural History Encyclopedia, which became an editorial model for encyclopedias. So Pliny the Elder is also a beer that is made by Russian River Brewing in Santa Rosa, California. Uh, it's a double IPA, which is fantastic. It was the reigning best beer in the nation for many, many years. Uh, no longer. Someone else took, I think Bell's Too Harder took it the last two years. But, uh, but I love that beer. But that's where, uh, that's where Pliny came from there in this, in this Kermie. Now, I, I did a search to find out, hey, is anyone out there brewing this Kermie beer still? Guess what? There is someone brewing this beer. Oh. Yeah. A, an Italian brewery called 32 Via Dia Birii. Bir, I'm guessing that's 32 something of the brewery. I'm not sure. But they brew a Kermie, and it's called Kermie. It's a spiced top fermented ale made with spelt and barley malt and bottled conditioned. It has floral notes, aromas of exotic fruit with a slight citrusy acidic and hints of straw, hay, and breadcrumbs. The flavor is refreshing, slightly acidulous due to the spices, in which malt and hops are delicately, blend delicately blended. It's a quaffable beer with a medium body, although with more texture than other products in the same category. Uh, so yeah, wow, an ancient, wow. yeah, a 2,000-year-old beer is still being brewed today. So uh, good for them, good for them. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Matt. All right. Let's go on to the Heather Ale, circa 390. Says the Irish king, Niall, of the Nine Hostages, undertakes a genocidal campaign against the Scottish Picts to gain the secret of Heather Ale. He kills every Pict in Galloway, none of whom tell him the secret. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, <laughs> however, Heather Ale survives in the Orkneys into the early 1900s and is resurrec resurrected at the century's end. Yeah. So uh, there's a Scottish brewery, Williams Bros Brewery, that brews a Heather Ale called Frauch. Frauch. Yeah, Frauch. Sounds good. Just by the way, okay, Denny, okay, picked a <laughs> hell of an episode. <laughs> To have two people that can't pronounce <laughs> shit to go through the history of beer. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Just, just a side note there. Yeah, uh, I, okay. <laughs> I was going to make Chris read all these ones, but he's not here, so we, we got we have to suffer through it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the claim that's the original craft beer, mm. brewed in Scotland since 2000 BC. Uh, the Brotherhood have been guardians of ancient Gallic recipes for Leon Frauch Heather <laughs> Ale since 1988 and are proud to be the only brewery still producing this unique style of beer and distributing its worldwide. Uh, a light amber ale with floral peaty aroma, full malt character, and a spicy herbal finish. Uh, it says the beer is allowed to literally pour 4,000 years of Scottish history <laughs> to a glass. Interesting. All right. I, I, would, I would like to try this beer to yeah. see it, you know, since it's, you know, Scottish, how much it, if it has any hints to, to like a scotch or something, you know, yeah, like yeah. PD, you know, peaty, mossy. Yeah. Type of, type yeah. Of it could have a little bit of that. Yeah. That peaty 
and it says full mark full malt character yeah it's i i'd like to try it too and now one of the places that you know sarah and i just got back from ireland this year we went for our 30th anniversary trip we went there and and uh, our next trip will be back to ireland like when we go overseas we'll go back to ireland but we're going to do uh half scotland half ireland we'll go back and see both those uh so when i'm in scotland i am going to look up this heather l and try it for myself oh because, yeah yeah. I, I would, yeah I definitely would try and look this up all right uh now on to uh something i'm familiar with okay Monast- monastic monastic <laughs> brews okay monks okay monks. monks is what i'm thinking here because when i think of brew beer and brew history i think of monks mm-hmm. in the caves and stuff like that because you always hear about these monks these crazy recipes and stuff they they brewed and yeah. stuff and yeah, with their magic it. spoon their magic exactly. spoon makes the beer yep uh, in 525, St. Benedict becomes convinced that the holy life cannot be lived in the secular world and establishes a monastery in Monte Cassino, Italy. Mm. His written rule stresses self-sufficiency, and his followers learn to provide for themselves, including brewing. Very smart. Yeah. Uh, the monastic way spreads throughout Europe, and by the Middle Ages, there are more than 400 monasteries brewing in Germany alone. That is crazy. Yeah. It's like 400 breweries. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, in Belgium, Benedictines from Italy established the abbey de Notre Dame de Orville, destroyed and rebuilt a number of times. The abbey today is home to the Orville, one of the few surviving Trappist ales. I've had a Trappist ale before, too. And that yeah. is a very that is a very good beer, actually. Yeah, yeah. The, I, I love Trappist ales. I, I love Belgian ales. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I I try to find all like we get a few Trappist ales that come into the Boise area. Whenever I see them come in, I always grab grab them, try them if I haven't had them before. And if I have had them, I'll tr- grab them again because man, they're so good. But uh, yeah, so uh, again, another brewst you know brewery these these monks have been brewing these beers for a very long time you know 15 1500 yeah. years and they still taste fantastic i mean the beer this beer is finally a style that that we uh that we can appreciate right we're not just throwing in some bread into a water and having a ferment <laughs> and drinking some some crappy stuff yeah. so yeah we're starting to refine our beer brewing in this uh age here i believe yeah for sure yeah. for yeah. sure all right so Hey, by the way, great job on reading that, Matt. You nailed every word perfect. Bullshit. I'm giving you props, man. You're <laughs> you're the man. You're the man. Okay. <laughs> Let's get back to the German style beers here. We're going to talk about the Bach beer, and I already mentioned Bach beer when I mentioned that uh, that smoked lager or smoked Bach I had, which is basically a, you know, it's a, it's a heavy uh heavy duty lager style Bach. Brewing in the German city of Einbeck dates back to 1256, when the city is chartered in the center of hop gardening. By 1385, 600 private houses are brewing Einbecker beer. The well-regarded beers of Einbeck, which is thin, subtle, clear, and bitter taste, are imitated by Munich breweries and in 1614 dubbed Bach beer. So the, I guess the uh, original Munich Bach beers was uh, called Einbeck's, and Einbeck is uh, is a style that I have seen some American craft breweries uh, put out some beers. In fact, I want to say that uh, some they have a, a category in the Great American Beer Fest for Einbeck too. I think 
I'm not mistaken. So I should look that up. You, so, you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Doug. No, no, I'm done. Uh, every year, Cincinnati has a big um, Bach fest hmm. uh, in uh, Mar- February, March, and uh, all the breweries make like a Bach beer. Yeah. For this There's a huge parade and just all types of stuff that goes on. It's just it's really getting bigger and bigger. Um, but it's nice to see the kind of history of where that's from. And since Cincinnati is kind of a big German town, it makes sense that we have this big Bach fest every year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting you mentioned that, Matt, because uh, Craft Beer Joe, you know Craft Beer Joe? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, you know, he's a Cincinnati yep. guy and he writes a great beer blog over at craftbeerjoe.com. And, and uh, he, he, I forgot that he did leave some feedback on the last show. I should have put that in the, in the show. Uh, he mentioned that I should come to Cincinnati, uh, have some of the great beers, and go to Bach Best because I mentioned that I do enjoy Bach in the last episode. So that's two of you guys who just mentioned this Bach festival that I need to come see. So maybe we'll plan my visit for that time frame. We or time frame, and we can go to the Bach festival together. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you like good loggers, right? I do. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's do it. We'll put that on the on the calendar. Okay, where we're at. Okay, now we've we're moving into some more some English ale. So this is the English ale uh, beers here. In 1336, common brewers are mentioned in the court rolls of London. In 1340, Queen's College, Oxford, opens its own brew house. Amazingly, the enterprise continues virtually unchanged until 1939. The ale they brew is the native English drink and is being brewed without hops. It is heavy and sweet. Hops arrive in the, quote, the low countries in 1419. Brewers of hop beers are first mentioned as separate from brewers of unhopped English ales. Over time, the English developed a family of ales that are best explained in relation to one another. For example, the bitter is hoppier and more bitter than a mild, which is milder than a bitter. Pale ale is paler than either bitter or mild, but stronger in alcohol. So there you go. That's all. That explains everything. So yeah, bitter, yeah. Bitter is more bitter than mild, which is more milder than a bitter. <laughs> <laughs> bitter better. <laughs> it's like a it's like a round like circular speak, right? It's like, yeah. Uh-huh. It's, like, it's like a lawyer's talking to me right now, and I'm just like, uh huh, yeah, okay, gotcha. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> all right, on to the Kolsch. Yes. All right. In 1396, the Guild of Brewers forms in the city of Cologne, where the city's brew pubs make top fermented beers. In later years, in response to competition from Pilsner-style beers from elsewhere, they gradually refine their beer to the now-famous Kolsch-style, a golden top fermented delicacy. Mm. And that's interesting there. There's there's competition from from Pilsner-type beers. That's interesting. Yeah, they just, I guess that was the, the beer of choice. Now, of course, they say that, uh, it says years later, yeah, so we haven't got to the Pilsner, I guess. But yeah, Pilsner must have come in and they just wanted to have something similar to that exotic beer that they were having. And so they kind of, you know, made the Kolsch. Because the Kolsch is very Pilsner-like. Yeah. It's just not a lager, right? It's, it's top for a minute versus bottom for a minute. So it does have a little bit different, more crisper uh, character, like a... Uh, it's more refreshing and crisper to me. You know, it's not as uh, as sweet and a little bit heavy. It's not as heavy as uh, 
you know, as other loggers. So I, I, yeah. I like the Kolsch. I, I find that a little bit very interesting right there, that whole thing right there. All right. Uh, the birth of the lager. Mm. In the 1400s, Bavarian monastic breweries began to brew and store lager, a special beer in the cold winter months. It is clearer, brighter, with a cleaner taste. Four centuries later, commercial brewers Anton Dreher and Gabriel Sedmeyer jointly discovered that the secret ingredient in Bavarian monastery beer is bottom fermenting yeast. Ah, wow. They must have... Uh... They must have uh, kept the bread at the bottom of the beer. <laughs> the yeah, exactly. Keep it out of sight, you know, so people can see. Yeah. Uh, interesting. So there we go. So you had the, the Kolsch, then you had the birth of the lager uh, only four years later, I guess. So it wasn't that far, somewhere four to ten years maybe. So it wasn't that far behind where they, they got the old uh, lager going. All right, so now I'll, I'll do a couple here. We got the German wheat beer. In 1480, in the town of Schwarzach, the man, I am not good with these German names, I'll tell you that. <laughs> the Degenberger family builds the first wheat beer brewery and holds the monopoly on Weiss beer, which is also known as white beer, so labeled because it's lighter than the brown beers of the day. Until the death of the last... Degenberger in 1602. So uh, that that was uh, all held by the one family, the Degenberger family. Once he kicked off, that that family, uh, you know, lost their their uh, yeah their guy. Then it was open to everyone, I guess, to to do a white beer. I, you know what? That's interesting. I always assumed Vice was wheat, but I don't think it is. It's must it's white beer, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I wonder back in the day, Denny. Back here, we're talking about these beers, and it sounds like you know, a lot of the beers are you know darker, a little more. Uh, I don't want to say grittier, but browner. You know, yeah. I wonder if when they when they came out of these white beers, these pilsners, these lighter beers, if people are like, "What in the hell is this?" <laughs> yeah. Just like how nowadays when we yeah. see a dark beer, someone's like, "What in the hell is this?" Yeah. I wonder if it's just the opposite back then. Yeah, they probably yeah. they were probably saying, "What is this uh, this light pissy beer you've given yeah, exactly. me?" <laughs> Just water you're gonna give yeah. me. It's, it's Bud Light. I yeah, it's, it's Bud Light. Bud Light Platinum. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm paying for good quality beer, not this light stuff I can see through. That means it's not good. It's made good. Throw some dirt in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, now going into Finland, we have another special beer, and I meant to go ahead and and uh, get a little extra information on this and i totally forgot to fill in information so sorry i'm not going to have extra information on this the sati so in 1500s in finland the peasants brew sati a sweet malty turbid beer with complex flavor fresh juniper twigs are used in flavoring and filtering giving the beer a flavor not unlike a german weizen laced with juniper in 1990 pekka some Finnish name, Pekka, yeah. Pekka Karerian, <laughs> revives the juniper lace sati. So I am a huge fan of juniper. I love juniper in my beers. I love juniper in my gin. In fact, oh, wow. juniper gin is like my favorite. I love good handcrafted you know, juniper gin. Uh, so I think I need to find some sati. So I need to go to Finland. I need to search out this sati and go drink some when I'm over in Europe. Have you had a sati before? I think there's some sati in in uh, Ohio, maybe. 
I, I, you know what? I'm not familiar with it, Denny, so I can't, I can't speak on that. Okay. I don't know if I or not. Okay. Yeah. So you, now you've seen the name. You should, when you see I'll, it out and about, you should uh, go ahead and pick up a can yeah, or a bottle. I'll grab it out. Oh, <laughs> All right, Matt, we have one more entry in this uh, part of our beer history. Why don't you finish us off? Okay. Uh, the British Colonial Ale. Now we're talking a little bit more modern stuff here in, in my mind. Uh, <laughs> in 1587, Virginia cl- colonists brew the first ale in North America using corn. Oh, my gosh. Yes, sir. <laughs> 20 years later, the first shipment of imported beer arrives in the Virginia colony from England. But most beer is still brewed at home. Writing about the Virginia colonies nearly 100 years later, Rogers Beverly reports the poorer sort brew their beer from molasses and bran, with Indian corn malted and dying in a stove. Hmm. With permissions, persimmons, persimmons, yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> dried in cakes and baked with potatoes with the green stalks of Indian corn cut small and bruised with squashes and with Jerusalem uh, artichokes. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's some serious uh, malting there with all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how would you even think about doing that? I, I, I have no idea. I guess they wanted some very flavorful beer. <laughs> to wow. Add all those flavors. Into, I mean, um, they're malting it. This stuff is cooking and, and smoke is coming and it's probably flavoring the corn and I don't know. I'm guessing this stuff was probably pretty tasty. Uh, amazing that they were forced to brew their own beer using local ingredients they can find. Then yeah. when the beer finally does come, that actually is real beer they, that they're used to drinking, they don't drink it. They want to drink their yeah. own brew still. No, 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 this stuff sucks. <laughs> yeah. We don't want our own Yeah, We want the domestic. It's cheaper. Yeah, exactly. No taxes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there we go. That is 6,500 years of brewing history right there. We we will finish up part two in our next episode. So stay on the edge of your seat to hear the finishing, you know, finishing this adventure, the story. This is amazing. I never, I would have never thought that beer started in 5,000 BC. <laughs> I mean, come on. I, I would never have thought that. And just how it evolved and doing different things you think you know what hey we invented beer mm-hmm. and it's going to be this beer throughout the rest of life but no it's like you know what oh i found out if you put bread in it we can do this yeah. <laughs> just wow it's amazing that the changes and good thing too because now we've got all these different styles of beer oh, yeah yeah no I, i'm amazed that i mean even even now as i'm going about trying different beers you think you've tried everything right you haven't. There's still things that will I'll try that would just blow my mind. That wow, what? I mean, that's just great. Now, I I do get frustrated when beer doesn't taste like beer. I don't mind having a you know a, a special beer that's maybe a little sweeter than I'm used to just to try it. But it's not something I want to have all the time. So um, I do enjoy beer that tastes like beer. I I get disappointed when I'm drinking beer that that tastes like soda or tastes like sugar you know cake batter or whatever right I, that that frustrates me because i still want to taste a beer but it's still kind of interesting where this uh business and this hobby has has taken people and and you know now look at like i mentioned tom Byrne, 
uh, doing a home brew with wild yeast and straw raspberries and you know i mean all kinds of things making a really tasty beer at home i mean that's that's the cool that i think that's what interests interests me the most about home brewing is the fact that you have total control over what you're going to make right if you have a weird thing you want to do you could do it just go and research the ingredients and and find out what the quantities you got to put in and and the the right uh temperature and the brewing time to get the flavors that you need to uh, and give it a shot i mean we can we have the power to do that it's pretty pretty cool yeah okay matt we have been going on nearly two hours so we're going to skip that article because uh you know i don't want to keep you any longer than we already have and and two hours i think is long enough for for our listeners too that might be just the right length but before we close this show out, I always like to go ahead and, and give a toast out to some friends. Who would I give a toast out tonight to? Who would I, who would I like to give a toast out? Yeah, yeah. Well, well obviously you. I mean, <laughs> good Lord. This, what a podcast you and John and Chris are putting on for people. Just uh, all the craft beer knowledge that you guys are putting out there is incredible and lots of fun to listen to on a bi-weekly basis so yeah. definitely uh keep it up you guys are doing great and um just all the breweries and people that homebrew and talk about beer and stuff like that shout out to you guys it's, it is awesome yeah for sure for sure yeah well you know what matt i also have to raise my glass to you uh just for you know for c- coming at the last minute to join me tonight, uh, I was really, I, I, I heard last, so basically anyone doesn't know, last night I'm reminding Chris that, hey, we're recording tomorrow, you're going to be able to make it. And he says, oh man, I'm leaving for Atlanta, uh, I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm like, okay, no problem, I, I, I'm, I, I'll find someone to fill in. The first person I, you know, I figured I might have to go for a couple of us. Okay, I've been wanting to get Matt on for a long time. Now is my opportunity. So I messaged you. You messaged right back saying, hell yeah, I'm in. And I'm like, <laughs> it's, it was meant to be. So thank I want to raise my glass. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to raise my glass first to Chris for, for not uh, recording, you know, for backing out at the last minute. And second to you, Matt, for, you know, joining me and getting us back together to podcast. It's the first time in a long time that we've been able to sit down uh, yeah. and, and, and chat on the mic yeah. and record a, a podcast. I think, I mean, again, it, it's too early to tell, but from our nonstop conversation all the way through two hours, I think this is going to be a good show that's going to give our listeners a lot of uh, information about homebrewing, about the history of beer, just about, you know, two cool guys uh, that after all these years still can get together and just chat like we've never been apart. Yeah, I hope so. I hope, I hope people enjoy the show. I um, do. I hope you get some feedback on it, you know, one way or the other. Say you know to never have me back on again. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, just, yeah, like, you know, stuff like that. But, okay. yeah, you got a great show going here, Denny. Well, thank you. Thank you, Matt. I really appreciate it. All right, I got a couple more toasts I want to give out. Uh, again, I already mentioned Tom Byrne. Thank you, Tom, for joining me and Chris last week or last episode. And thank you for all the great beers that you provided. I really appreciate those. And also Matt Knight, he also sent that care package to me with some, some nice beers from New York. I really appreciate that. Thank you for your, 
for your kind heart and, and, and sending out those beers. And of course, I have to raise a glass to all the servicemen and women out there who are protecting our freedoms, allowing us to, uh, you know, to sit on this mic, buy our beer, talk freely over the air and put this content out. Uh, you know, without these freedoms, we wouldn't have, we, we couldn't do this, right? We need those freedoms and they're sacrificing their time, their family's time, and maybe even their lives for us to have these freedoms. So cheers to you and come back safely to your families very soon. And uh, I don't know. Do you want to read Chris's uh, toast to the sponsors or you want me to read those? I can certainly try here. All right. So it's right there with the B cups. All right. B cups. Oh, this isn't the B cups I'm thinking of, though. Uh, <laughs> B cups. I want to raise a glass to B cups, supplier of outdoor craft beer cups, for partnering up with us. And I encourage our listeners to go visit their site at bcups.net or ferment. Just go to bcups.net. <laughs> Uh, and check out the world's first full line of style-specific plastic beer cups for people on the go. Mm. Whether hanging out on the beach, by the pool, hiking the wilderness, or even enjoying some boating, beer cups are great for any place you can't use standard glassware. All right. And then uh, our t Tavor That's promo. Right. Yep. Use promo code TAPTHECRAFT, and it will give any new user a $10 credit after they spend $25. That's, that's free money, folks. Free money. You got to do this. You got to go. <laughs> yeah, that's free money, free beer. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so go out and use it. And Tavor is a good service. Um, you know, Chris uses it a lot. I was using it a lot until I realized I had a problem and I had to cut uh -oh. back on my, uh, my beer spending because it can easily, I mean, you can easily spend uh, a couple hundred dollars on a, on a box of beer. Oh boy. Yeah. But you don't have to, I mean, I'm just saying it's, you can easily start adding stuff before you realize it. You know, you have two, two boxes full of beer and, and you got a $200 bill you're, you're paying, but, but Hey, it's good beer, good service for, for people that don't have access to some wells beers that you can't get in your area. So go, go, go to Tavor. All right, you can find the beers and the links to the articles mentioned on the show in the show notes located on the show post at openformio.com. And if you would like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Loose Grew. And Matt, why don't you go ahead and take this time to plug yourself and your podcast? Yeah, so you can check me out, Devious Mr. Matt, on the old uh, Twitters there. And then uh, check out the podcast, Bad Fodder Figures, uh, F-O-D-D-E-R-S. Uh, and then our same thing with the uh, Twitter and that uh, weekly uh, podcast that we do. It's not exactly safe for the whole family. <laughs> uh, unless you want to torture your family like that. But uh, yeah, great little podcast. We talk uh, games, life, sports, uh, just anything in general that comes up. Um, lots of fun. Great show. I believe so. Yeah. Um, check it out sometime. Subscribe to it. Give it a listen. Of course. Excellent. All right, it is last call. It's time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening, and we ask you to please tell a friend. And, of course, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Google Play, and now on Spotify, or however you listen to your podcast. As a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Matt, you got to get the cheers in there. Cheers. All right.
right. Wow, we've been going a long time. You okay? You got to go to the bathroom or anything, Matt? Uh, I'm good. Okay. Let's keep going then because uh, I don't want to keep you up all night, but I could. I can get, keep talking. <laughs> you could keep talking. I could. I could. All right. <laughs> Kvass, like many of the oldest known beers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So brewing in the Germany German city of Einbeck dates back to 1256 when the city is chartered in the center of a hop garden. <laughs> okay, let me start that over. Yep. Because I burped right in the middle of it too. I, <clears throat> I had to get some gas out of my stomach. Okay. <laughs>